And I love the fact that this psalm begins with the words, the Lord reigns. And that's a good reminder as we uh, close out this year. And by the way, I really, really like that song we just sung, Lord, I Need You. Um, uh, we pl- practically raised our kids on Ron Hamilton's songs, you know, in those little uh, uh, stories that he did. And, and back in the day, we had him on cassette tapes, and the kids all had their own little recorder, and they'd go to bed listening to one of those uh, stories, or we would travel listening to them, and I learned a lot of the music along with them. And uh, this was one that came along a little bit later, but uh, really appreciate uh, Ron Hamilton. The first one I remember was Rejoice in the Lord um, back in the 70s or 80s maybe. And then uh, on through to Lord, I need you. And we really do need the Lord for sure. Um, Quite a year, 2020, huh? Uh, wow, um, lots of good, lots of not so good things that maybe we saw happen along the way. And, and when it comes to who's running the show in our country, there might be a little uh, confusion about that these days. Um, you know, we have a president, uh, we're going to have a president um, we think we know who it might be, but maybe Yogi Bear's comment, it ain't over till it's over, uh, applies to the situation that we're in. But whatever the situation in Washington, D.C. or Des Moines, Iowa, the White House or the governor's mansion, we can be sure about the fact that the Lord reigns. Well, let's pray and we'll look at this psalm. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can open it tonight on this last Wednesday night of 2020 and to be reminded that even though we don't know what the future holds, we certainly do know who holds the future. It is you, dear Lord. You are a sovereign God that created all things, sustains all things, You made us. We are the sheep of your pasture. Uh, It is you that has made us, not we ourselves. And tonight we can be comforted and challenged by this reality. And I pray that that's exactly what would happen as we seek to live in the light of your power, your might, your sovereignty. And uh, may that be true as we live, as we move, as we walk, as we pray, uh, even as we pray later tonight. We just commit these moments to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So you probably have an outline in your hand. At least they were uh, to go around and and, uh, they're available. I know I made probably way more than we need, but It's just a little outline with the title at the top, The Lord Reigns. And this psalm is reportedly written by a Levite returning with the remnant from the Babylonian captivity. And 
If that's the case, this Levite could have possibly witnessed several different kings reigning over Babylon. Um, Daniel seemed to have lived through them all. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and then uh, Darius, and then Cyrus. So that's the way it happens on this earth. Rulers come and go. Kings come and go. Presidents come and go. Governors come and go. But the Lord reigns at all times. Way before them, during them, and way after them. And so the first thing we see here is that his throne is secure. Beginning with verse 1, the Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. So there can be no doubt that the Lord is reigning and he is on the throne and his throne is secure. He reigns, first of all, we see there under a secure throne, his, he reigns with majesty. The Bible says he is clothed with majesty. Now, we can only imagine how that might look to our eyes. The Lord on the throne, clothed in majesty. A few of the prophets got a glimpse of this. You remember Isaiah did, Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was seated on a throne. He was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Majesty, clothed with majesty. His train, his ro the robe of his train, it, it filled the temple. Now, I remember years ago, some of you will, that are older, Prince, Princess Di's wedding, right? Um, it was very majestic. Almost half of the world tuned in uh, to that wedding. And I don't remember much about it. I don't think I watched it live. Uh, but I did see the grand entrance there where she goes down the aisle and the long train, which I looked it up, it was 25 feet long, her train. Uh, I don't know if anybody else even compares to that other than we're looking at the Lord here, the God of all creation, the God who is reigning, the God who is seated on his throne and he is clothed with majesty. And Isaiah saw the Lord and he said his train filled the temple. Now, I think I will have you turn briefly to Revelation chapter 1 
And, and uh, we'll get right back to Psalm 93. But in, you remember we were in Revelation uh, Sunday night with uh, the, the closing chapter and verses there and how John the Apostle uh, was just, he wanted so much to see the Lord again. He had walked and talked with Jesus for three years and, and yet the, even the disciples got a glimpse of his majesty. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then you remember that on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John who went up on the mount with him and they saw him in glistening white. And Peter writes later and says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, referring back to the transfiguration. But we get a glimpse of this majesty in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And then, John writes, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. This is Jesus. One like the Son of Man, clothed, here it is, majesty, clothed with garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as, it, as, as if refined in a furnace, and his, his voice as the sound of many waters. What a majestic scene this is. And this is John who knew Jesus so well. And now he's seeing him in his majesty on high. He's getting a glimpse of that. And so back in Psalm 93, whatever's happening on earth, we must remember in heaven the Lord reigns and he's clothed with majesty. So he reigns with majesty, and he reigns, his reign is mighty. Notice the last part of verse 1, Psalm 93. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. So in his secure throne, the Lord is reigning with might, girded with strength. And again, this is seen throughout the scriptures real close here to Psalm 93. Let's go back to 89, Psalm 89, and notice verse 7 and following, Psalm 89, 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. Boy, that's a key verse, I think, in this day and age. Reverence for God. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? 
Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. You still them. Down in verse 13. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand and high is your right hand. So verse after verse in the Psalms remind us of the Lord's might and his power and his strength. So he is reigning in his might. We sing songs like we sang Sunday night, I think it was, or Sunday morning, I'm not sure which. How great thou art, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands hath made. He's such a mighty God. His throne is secure, he reigns with majesty, his reign is mighty, and he reigns for eternity. Psalm 93, verse 2, your throne is established from old, you are from everlasting. So the Lord's reign is constant and continual. As far as you can go back, he reigns. He reigns now. And as far as you can go forward, he reigns. His reign is from everlasting to everlasting. Now our country, the United States of America, is relatively young. How many presidents have we had? Quick quiz there. Yeah, you're getting there. 47. Okay. George W. was 45. Obama, 46. Trump, 47. So in the 200 and almost 250 year history of our country, 47 presidents. The Lord has reigned the whole time in heaven, right? Yeah, he's there. He's always been there. He'll always be there. His throne is established from of old, and you are from everlasting. He reigns for eternity. And those verses that we hear at Christmas time, I, I love them. And usually we just look at Isaiah 9. And verse 6, which is wonderful. I could probably quote it, but then I get in trouble. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government, don't forget that, the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then... Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. And from that time forward, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I love that. He, he, he's reigning right now. And he will reign forever. But of course, he's coming back the second time to rule and reign on this very earth. Praise the Lord for that. I, I don't, maybe I'm too worldly, I don't know. But 
I'm just so glad that before this heaven and earth is burned up and a, and a new heaven and new earth come in and we get to enjoy that forever, the new Jerusalem will be amazing. Uh, but I'm so glad that before all of that, we get to see how it ought to be on this earth when Jesus reigns on this very earth for a thousand years during the millennium. Wow, that's going to be wonderful. And when he reigns of his government, there will be, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. There'll be no recessions when Jesus reigns. There'll be no unemployment. There'll be no long lines at the gas pumps. There'll be no shortages. There'll be no crime. There'll be no corruption. There'll be no need of a Supreme Court. He rules and reigns with majesty, with might for all eternity. And his reign, he reigns in superiority. Verse 3, Psalm 93. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier, mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Keyword, mightier. The Lord on high is mightier. You know, to someone at this era of time, 3,000 years ago when this was written, uh, there's probably nothing more scary than the floods and the high waves on the sea. And, and back in that day, they didn't fly over all of this. They had to sail on, on the water and, and to be out on big water when it's really rough uh, is really scary. Makes you feel really small. But he is the Lord on high. He is the most high God. I love that title of God. And he's mightier than the noise, the raging seas, the noise of many waters. And the waters and the sea, oftentimes in scripture, pictures the heathen, the kings, the nations. And God is much mightier than all of that. You remember when the early church was started and they were going everywhere preaching the word and they were commanded and threatened by the Sanhedrin not to preach and teach in this name. And they didn't focus on the threats because the way the disciples looked at it is we respect you gentlemen of the council, but you've been outranked. Our commander has said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You go and preach to all nations, to every cre creature. And so we, we cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. We must obey God rather than men because the Lord is superior. He reigns with superiority. So Psalm 93, his throne is secure, first of all. Secondly we see his testimonies are sure, and that's exactly what it says in the beginning of verse 5. Your testimonies are very sure. Now that's talking about the word of God, of course. 
Now, as I said, scholars believe Psalm 93 was written by a Levite returning with a remnant from Babylonian captivity. How long, another question, a little quiz here, how long was that captivity in Babylon? 70 years. Do you know that if the Jews in captivity in Babylon were paying attention to the prophets that they knew that they were not going to be there forever, that they were just going to be there 70 years. I want to show that to you. Go over to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 with me. The captivities, or the captives went to Babylon and Jeremiah didn't, at least not in the beginning. Um, and uh, so Jeremiah sends word to the captives back there in Babylon. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I've caused to be carried away captive, from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there, parentheses, while you're in captivity. Don't decrease while you're in captivity. Be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. By the way, this is pretty good instructions for us. You ever feel like we're, we're captives? I do. We're strangers and pilgrims in this world, and, and this world is no friend to grace and no friend to Christians who are sold out for Jesus Christ. But while we're here... We might as well not be diminished. We might as well be having uh, growing families and, and uh, you know, plant gardens and do our jobs and, and, and seek the peace of the city and all of this. And it says in verse 8, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed, See, they had false prophets too. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord. Here it is. After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Wow. So they had revelation from God through the prophet that they were only going to be in Babylon 70 years and then God was going to bring them back. Do you suppose those that were paying attention were looking forward to 70 years being over? I think they were. God clearly told them 70 years would be the length of their captivity. God had orchestrated the impossible 
when he had Cyrus send Ezra and Nehemiah back to Jerusalem. He told them to rebuild the temple. He provided safe passage. He provided provisions from the king's treasury so that they could afford to rebuild the temple. And so these Jews in captivity that were paying attention and were willing to go back, not all were willing to go back to Jerusalem. Some had gotten quite comfortable there in Babylon. But those that were willing to go, don't you think their faith was strengthened when they saw that God's word was fulfilled? Yep, 70 years. Here we are going back to Jerusalem, just like the prophet said. So one of the most wonderful things you and I have to look back on and strengthen our faith is fulfilled prophecy. And here in Psalm 93, we see that his testimonies are very sure. Amen? God's word is very sure. If God says it, that settles it. And we'd better believe it. So, his throne is secure, his testimonies are sure, and lastly, his temple is sacred. The last part of verse 5 says, Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. Holiness adorns your house. In our culture, in our day and age, it's hard for us to realize how huge it was to Jewish people to have, at first, the tabernacle and later the temple. And, and you remember that the tabernacle was constructed in such a way that, that even the average person couldn't even go into the tabernacle, of course. You had to be a Levite and you had to be a priest and only the high priest could ever go back into the Holy of Holies. And that was uh, one day a year, the Day of Atonement, not without blood and all of that. So, so when... Scripture says, holiness adorns your house. A, a, a Jewish person that was sincere in their faith would have identified with that statement. And it all, the tabernacle, the temple, it all points to the holiness of God. You enter into the outer court, you come to the brazen altar where just a big tub of of water and and the sacrifices are cleansed there no the brazen altar they're cooked there 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 is 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 the burnt offering and sacrifice and then the laver where uh the priests wash their hands and go into the holy place the middle of the tabernacle where the lamp stands on the left side the table of showbreads on the right side and the altar of incense is right in the middle right before the veil and then beyond the veil, of course, was the Holy of Holies, which included the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat on top, the cherubims on top of that. And what was in the Ark of the Covenant? Another little quiz here. Okay. 
the law, the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments. There are a couple other things there, but that's the main thing. Anybody want to venture? Aaron's rod that budded and the manna, the manna that fell. They kept a, a smidgen of that as a testimony to the power and provision of God. But the main thing was the tablets, the law was there in the Holy of Holies. And it was such a holy place that only the high priest could go in there once a year and only with blood. And later Solomon builds the temple, a much larger and richer, more permanent version of the tabernacle. Instead of a mobile tent, it was firm, there was stone, there was structure. But the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. What's the temple now, by the way? Believers. Believers. 1 Corinthians 6. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Wow. When you think about how exclusive the Holy of Holies was in the tabernacle and in the temple, and now that holy place is in us. We are the sanctuary. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Holiness adorns your house, your temple, O Lord, forever. And when the Holy Spirit comes to reside in us as believers, Jesus said, he will abide with you forever. That's eternal security, by the way. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So, as we wrap this up, and we are in the last Wednesday night of 2020, it's just good to be reminded, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. I've been reminded of that in various ways, including that wonderful Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Verse 3, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men, as Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote this during the Civil War, very low time in his life. Then, verse 4, pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. He came back to the reality that as bad as it was all around him, he could hear the cannons going off. He was sitting by the bedside of his wounded son, who was wounded in the Civil War. His wife had just died previously to that. It was very bleak for him, but he remembered, God's not dead. God's not sleeping. The Lord reigns. And I like how Phil Cross puts it in his song, Champion of Love. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention. I want to introduce to you, in this corner of the good and the right stands a champion robed in white. His height exceeds the heavens, his weight outweighs the world, his reach reaches everywhere, his age is evermore. He left his hometown to enter this arena, to raise his hands in victory for me, 
An angry crowd crucified this king who wore their crown, and they gladly watched the champion going down. But I will never count him out, for I'm a witness of the day he rose to retain the title, champion of love. He's higher than the highest, greater than the great. No one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest. He reigns from above. He's the all-time, undisputed, undefeated champion of love. The Lord reigns. Thank you, Lord, that you do reign and we can be confident of that. You're on the throne tonight. You've always been there. You'll always be there. Nobody even comes close. Help us to look up and thank you and live and pray in the light of that truth tonight. In Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen. Thanks for your attention to the word, Pastor.